Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey Dave. Yeah Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hello there, and welcome to the Untitled Film Podcast with Callum and Johnny. I do enjoy these. <laughs> I'm Johnny. And I'm Callum. And we're here this week to talk about some movies with you again. Yeah, as ever. As ever. Welcome back to the show. Same pod time, same pod channel. And one way we like to talk to our audience about movies, Callum... It's through social media. Indeed we do. And first off, if we had a social media, what would it be? And secondly, how have we been contacting members of the public on social media this week? Well, it's Untitled Film Podcast on both Instagram and Facebook. And we also have a YouTube channel. If you're not up in this whole podcast thingy, hello, mum. And yes, we put out uh, questions. We put out reminders for new episodes, things like that. And we've got a uh, question this week. Uh, it's a bit of a sad one, unfortunately. Um, recently, an industry titan passed away, the great Alan Arkin, um, who's had uh, something like 50, maybe even 60 years in the film industry, just being incredible all the time. Um, so we asked the question of uh, what are your favourite films with Alan Arkin in them? Um, we haven't had any responses on uh, on our Instagram, but uh, thankfully my mum did post it, the question out uh, on her Facebook wall. Thanks, Callum's mum. Yeah, thanks, mum. And her friend Larry uh, posted uh, uh, replied with uh, "Last of the Red Hot Lovers," which is a adaptation of a play. Um, and uh, I, to be honest, I haven't seen it, nor had I heard of it until today. But uh, it's definitely going on the to check out list. Very good. 
And uh, Johnny, if you had to choose a film that you most remember from Alan Arkin, which would it be? I'm just going to go really basic bitch and recent, and I'm going to go for A Little Miss Sunshine. I mean, it is really the film that wrong. won him the Oscar, yeah. so fair enough. He's been nominated four times, and this is the one that he won for. Absolutely. I also would like to just throw out a random big up to his four-episode role as J.D. Salinger in BoJack Horseman. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, um, when... Um, uh, what's her name? Uh, what's she say? The, the character played by Alison Brie. No, the cat. Oh yes. Uh, yes. Oh, it's gone on my head. That's really bad. Anyway, <laughs> the cat uh, that, that was dating Budget Horseman, that he's also his agent, needs like a hail mary and manages to find JD Salinger and bring him out of retirement, um, and ends up pitching him a, a. He decides that he wants to make game shows so he makes a game show it's a four episode arc about jd salinger making a game show um and it is genius it's a good choice for jd salinger because um a reclusive author alan arkin has a, a grumpiness about yeah, him curmudgeonly was yeah, what curmudgeonly, he's got an acid <laughs> tongue yeah if i had to pick a film i really love uh, the rocketeer from the early 90s the Very Disney film. yeah yeah I, actually that was one that i thought about and he sort of plays the Q figure, like mm. the, the bumbling sort of figure that kind of gets his tech set up and stuff like that. And he's, he's really grandfatherly in that. It's probably his least curmudgeonly role. Yeah, yeah. He does, to be fair, he has a couple of grandfatherly ones, although he kind of often is also a, a curmudgeonly grandfather. <laughs> I think the curmudgeonly thing may have come from by the time the early 2000s rolled along and he became an old bloke actor mm. who played old bloke roles and they only write one role for old blokes and it's, I got Nazi bullets in my ass, which is a line but, from Little Miss Sunshine. But oh, when it comes together, I'll be a good guy at heart. Yes. Yeah. Very um, much so. But now, I, I, I liked him in Million Dollar Arm as well, but he was kind of similar in that. <laughs> I think for the last 15 years, he's playing exactly that role, but he plays it very well. So why not let him play it? Or, you know, until recently yeah absolutely anyway i think that um he will be sorely missed but i think that probably brings us on to more news because i suppose that was kind of news as well as a question it was but i didn't want to just kind of put it into news and then we get brushed over well i'm just gonna talk say about it one of your news has gone you can have oh, one news no. this week no it's fine um, <laughs> so callum what i'm slightly concerned that you're going to steal <laughs> one of my two pieces of news this week or maybe both maybe but you can go first what is your piece of news well this is something i'm news. very excited about superman legacy okay it's james gunn has uh, cast his superman and his lois lane we've got uh, david corin sweat and uh, rachel brosnahan and uh, we'll know people will know Rachel. She's very prolific at the moment because she's just finished the marvelous Miss Maisel. She mm-hmm. it was Miss um, Maisel, and it's a very good choice. I really enjoyed marvelous Miss Maisel as well. I think it's going to be because I I saw one season and I kind of jumped off ship. This might be my thing that gets me back on board. Going oh, Lois Lane's in it. It is. It, it gets a bit messy towards the end, but I I just enjoyed it. I like I just like her and Susie and their relationship. It's. I, I mean, I am a. Say closeted because I will put it out there, but I'm quite a big Gilmore Girls fan, and I just enjoy that kind of like really rolling dialogue. Um, and yeah, I like Miss Maisel. And uh, so with uh, David Cornsweet, uh, he's less known. Um, he's not quite a complete unknown, but um, he's had a few bit parts here and there, a few recurring characters, but nothing quite so big as the lead of a Superman film. But just looking at his picture, you know, he's got the square jaw and the blue eyes. It looks like a very good choice. So I'm excited. Excellent. The good news. 
which one of my pieces of news am I going to go for first? Let's do the more frothy one. So Mattel's Barney is having a new film. <laughs> and it's starring Daniel Kaluuya. Really? And it's going to be adult-focused A24 style effort, apparently. Blimey. So they are doing a Barney movie, Barney the Big Purple Dinosaur, for those that remember, um, starring Daniel Kaluuya, which is going to be adult-orientated, which I think sounds very interesting. You can see the green in their eyes with the trailers of Vogue, because it's Mattel, that's Barbie as well, isn't it? Exactly. And they noticed how much uh, millennial... Yeah, millennial activity for what should be a children's movie, and they're going... We can clean up here, boys. This apparently it's going to be surrealistic in the vein of Charlie Kaufman and Spike Jones. That could be good. It could be insufferable, but we'll see how it goes. <laughs> I'm, I feel like with Glue on board, I feel like it's... He's a good choice. I'm, I'm, I'm happy yeah, I, I like I him a lot. it could be good. Um, I hope anyway. But no, uh, interesting piece of news there. I'm surprised you hadn't heard that one. I thought I was, no, I was, no. I was worried you were going to steal out from under I'm me. I'm very happy about it, though. Um, the other one, the other piece of news I've got is kind of a big piece of news, so you might have gone for this. But I let's don't see. think I have because okay. I've gone for something, again, a bit frothy. Uh, recently, Esquire magazine put out a very bitchy article called How to Promote Your DC Film. And it's <laughs> just taken all the kind of fumblings and bumblings of the, the marketing flash. department. Well, the Flash, but also the various Justice Leagues. Recently, Shazam. I mean, Justice Leagues were shit, so that was their problem. That was their problem, but there was a lot else going on. And they put out this kind of a sarca- very sarcastic list. So uh, talk it up. And that's when, you know, everybody in press conferences, conferences kind of fib about their films. Say, oh, yeah, it's the best film ever. You're going to love it. That's expected. But the, the extent to which DC does it, there's almost these rictus smiles. Like I remember during the Justice League campaign when it got turned from a moody Zack Snyder piece, rubbish. Into a jolly Joss Whedon piece, rubbish. also rubbish. But all the cast members had to slap on these fixed smiles and go, "It's so fun, guys!" And they they hated doing it. Next point is I'll, I'll go through these quickly because I don't want to kind of burden this. Take the low road and put down another film. That's what Zachary Levy did, saying, "Don't go and see John Wick. Do you want to see a bunch of boom, 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 shoot, 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 shoot? No, you want to see my film. It's so much fun, you guys. Um, downright lie." And we've seen that a lot in the DC. I don't think it's kind of uh, worth kind of pointing it out. And um, say something controversial. We Ezra Miller, but also, again, main culprit Zachary Levy, a few films before the release of Shazam 2. You know what I think is a big conspiracy? COVID vaccinations. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I don't think I think it was some others as well. I think there's been some... And obviously all the stuff around Joss Whedon and the stuff... Yeah. Well, absolutely. It's all... It's very... Yeah. lying and fibbing Whereas, and being controversial the thing with marvel is the films may may now be not good enough really for what they're spending on them and, and how long they're working on them and stuff compared to what the old films were but from a marketing and machine point of view they are fucking rock solid yes and if something immediately is starting to go off track they they're like pr counseling is like Absolutely. James Gunn, we found some tweets from you from 10 years ago. Bye. Yes. And then actually come back because that was a bit OTT. But, you know, they, they, they're they right on it. They've had a couple of other, like, TV show stars and things. They've been like, you're not coming back. Yes, and um, the most recent villain of the piece doesn't look like he's going to be coming back either. No. Nah, no. Nah. So this article was written by a Joss 
sorry, Josh Rosenberg, who's probably feeling very salty the morning he wrote this article, <laughs> but it's very funny. I recommend people reading the whole thing. It's got more giggles than I can fit in to a summary. So that is our plug. If you want to come on our podcast, Josh Rosenberg, because obviously you listen to this podcast. Yeah, obviously you do. Um, you're welcome anytime. I mean, writers from, I, I from like Esquire are always hitting us up. People that are being salty about DC and um, the other one. Marvel? Uh, Marvel. I'm happy with it. So yes, me come, too. Come on. Yeah, come on, Josh. Come, come into my world. Okay, you don't have to sing. Da, 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 da. <laughs> if, if, there, if I was doing this, da. you'd turn off my microphone. I, I just want to point that out. I would. I really would. Um, so my piece of news, moving swiftly on. So there's been this little story bumbling on for a few months now in Hollywood land that all the writers in America, all the writers of all the big movies and TV and stuff are on strike. And it's starting to now start to hit people's output. Um, obviously, network TV's ground to a halt. Streamers are now starting. Uh, did you? So every year, Netflix do a thing called Da Dum. Da Dum. Da Dum. You know, like Netflix. Yes, when you it has Da Dum. They do this thing every year that's a bit like you know when uh, they when TV channels do upfronts and they announce all their new shows for the next year. Oh, sure. They do. They're an event, they call it Da-Dum. Oh, I didn't know that's what it was called. Yeah, it's stupid. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, what I like about it is at the start of every one of them, they have to like explain why it's called Da-Dum. Yeah, that's a bad... A, I mean, it's like dumb. It yeah. just has dumb in the title. It's not even say. a good in-joke. No, exactly. Anyway, but watching it this year, every single like show that's big was either the actors going, yeah, we've got a show coming out. The Wednesday ones, they were like, we've got a show coming out. But the new scripts are so top secret, we can't tell you about <laughs> them. So we're just going to read you some fan theories and stuff. Like It's obviously oh, really dear. starting to gum up the works. Anyway, it's just about to get bigger. As the um, SAG and AFTRA, uh, the big um, actors' guild in America, look like they will be joining forces with this with the guild. So even the things that are written can't be finished. Um, so the wheels are very well and truly coming off the Hollywood wagon. So either some people need to start getting their checkbooks out and start signing some better contracts, or they are going to start losing billions of dollars because they've got these giant studios with no films to put in them and these cinemas with no films to put in them. Stand firm, boys and, and ladies, stand firm. We control the means of production. Absolutely. I'll start singing the um, international... Come, comrade. Com <laughs> Yeah, anyway. Uh, Mark Kermode is going to sue someone. <laughs> He's not allowed to sue someone. It's a, I'm sure it's pretty sure it's an open, whatever it's called, open reach. Oh, open. open um, right. Gosh, we forgot the name of oh, uh, that copyright think. thing. Well, I'm not a fucking lawyer, so I don't care. Anyway, that's Anyway, we're not going to get gummed up on that. That's the news this week. Um, yeah, News. So Callum, <laughs> that's really smooth transition. Yeah, that's no, no, great. Uh, <laughs> first, we've got lawyer things, and then can transition. And anyway, Callum, what are we going to talk about this week? What are our films? Well, we've got some documentaries to talk about. Um, documentaries. Yep. Yawn. But these are entertainment documentaries. Oh. These are about things that people actually about care about. Hollywood. And New York. So firstly, we've got uh, the new Disney Plus documentary, um, or hagiography, basically, I think is more fair, uh, called Stan Lee, which is about the life of, um, it's going to be a surprise here, Stan Lee. <laughs> um, 
it came out just this year and uh yeah and we also pairing it with hearts of darkness with our heart film. of darkness no it's hearts is it hearts it is hearts Ooh. i nearly and it's also it has a subtitle of a, a filmmaker's, filmmaker's uh, yes a filmmaker's apocalypse and uh that's about the making of the godfather no it's not about apocalypse now mm-hmm. so uh who who wants to take which plot <laughs> i feel like the person just the stan lee one's got a very short Plot. Well, I'll do it. I'll do it. Ah, Fuck it. Damn it. So there was a guy called Stan Lee. Oh yeah. He made lots of comics. Tell me more about him. Um, then he made Marvel. Uh huh. And they've made a documentary about his life. Wow. That's the documentary. Pretty much. Um, yeah. What did you think, <laughs> Well, firstly, going in, this is a Disney Plus produced documentary about Stan Lee. Stan Lee for so the... it's going to be really hard hitting oh, exactly. and like really getting into the good. He grind. was one of their cash cows. Off the back of Stan Lee's intellectual property, billions of dollars what? have been made. Disney make Disney owns Marvel. It, I know. I'm surprised as well. I thought they had the mouse. Yeah, well, they have the mouse. They've got Star Wars. They've got the Simpsons. They've got, Star Wars? They've got bloody everything. Everything. Simpsons? Everything. They have everything, Johnny, and it's not going to stop. What about Spider-Man? I think uh, it's a bit more complicated between Sony and... Well, let's not get hung up on that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so... They don't um, have everything, then, do they? <laughs> I, bet but, they I bet fucking Kevin Feige wait, lies awake at night going, oh, fucking just want all Spider-Man. <laughs> they've just got the Incredible Hulk back because you know, it was co-owned between mm. Universal and now they've got it back. So maybe one day. Uh, but, yes, yeah, so going in, you have to be aware that this is not a documentary. It's fun. It's frothy. So, like you said, it's about the life of Stan Lee, uh, from you know, who's born in the early twenties. Um, but it glosses over anything kind of real, and it's basically just a documentary that I'd say eighty percent of which goes, "This Stan Lee fella, he was a great guy. Wow, he was amazing. God, it wasn't he wonderful? He created Spider Man, the Fantastic Four. He created all these characters. Oh, fucking hell, he's brilliant." And he just used to write a story and then pay himself money. That's one of the more fun details that, you know, he, his wife had and him had both had expensive tastes. So he'd go, don't worry, honey, you can get that piece of jewellery and I'll get that car. I'll just write a story to pay for it. Um, but even that in itself is shows the how the, much of a not a documentary this is. It always just seems to take his word for it. And most of the times he might be right. And I'm not saying that anything he's saying is particularly bad or wrong. But you don't really hear much, and I do say much rather than all, from dissenting voices. Because generally speaking, that's something I would like to hear more about. How he can just go and pay for, you know, buy a car, then write a story to pay for it. Like, it must have been more complicated than that. I want to see some, you know, a bit of inner workings here. I want to be, see a bit of nitty gritty. But this is not a documentary. It's a hagiography. And it's not interested in telling you the nitty gritty. It's not interested in telling you about uh, the elder, elder abuse that Stanley suffered in his last few years from the hands of his children, and or maybe not his children, but his relatives certainly, who were trying, who were kind of playing tug of war over getting I think his it money. Was carers. It may have been carers actually, um, but um, it's not interested in telling you about that because it's not interested in giving you a, a documentary. It's just Stan. God, he was great. He was amazing. He created Spider Man, don't you know? Oh, wow. Wasn't Spider-Man a big hit? That said, it's fluffy, but it's fun. And he's a good subject. He's very charismatic. There's a reason why he had all those cameos in the movies. It's because he's, a, he's an entertainer, first and foremost. He knows what to do in front of a camera. He knows what to do when a microphone's put in front of his face. He knows how to react. He, he's a performer as much as he's a writer. And he's a good subject for fun and giggles and, and joy and laughter. So... I can't say I wasn't entertained. And also, if anyone is aware of anything about Marvel, nothing in this film is new. 
Um, it's handsomely presented, but it's like if you've spent any time knowing about the history of, of Stan Lee or Marvel, this none of this is new information. But, you know, it's fun. It's enjoyable. It's only about an hour and like 25 minutes long or something like that. So there's a lot worse t- ways that you can spend an afternoon if you've got nothing to do. It's, it's perfectly easygoing fluff, but fluff it is. But what did you think? Yeah, it was all right. Yeah. <laughs> and this is the time when you can say that sincerely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It actually... So it, it's in uh, something you didn't say, actually, I don't think. It's, it's, the majority of it's in his own words. So a lot of it's from recordings from him. As you say, it's very well presented. I like they have these little, like, miniature scenes with, like, like toy versions. Yeah, like of dollhouse, dollhouse versions. things, yeah. They're all kind of shot with, like, tilt shift photography and things, which all look very cute and cool. And they're a good way when they haven't got any footage to, to fill the gap. A few talking heads and things in it here and there as well. Um, yeah, like you say, it's, it's mainly his career. It doesn't really go into his personal life or things outside of it at all, which I suppose is how they get around the elder abuse. In fairness, it does talk a bit about the Jack Kirby and I always forget the Steve other... Steve Ditko. Steve Ditko kind of controversies. And there is quite a big argument between, I think it was Ditko and him. Was it Ditko? Or was it yeah, Kirby? I think I it was. They, they played an argument. He like rung him in for a, to wish him happy birthday on like a radio station or something. And then they just sent it into sniping at each other and stuff. So it probably showed that slightly more than I would say. But then it also kind of like, but Stan did give them some credit and put them as a co-creator and did this thing. So it kind of like, it, you know, it didn't go into it in some hard hitting way like the Jonathan Ross documentary from a while back did. Um, but also, like, the guys just died. I don't think they're going to... I don't think many document... Unless they were doing, like, Stanley exposed. And then that goes completely the other way. So, and obviously Disney's not going to be doing that. If anyone's going to be doing that, it's going to be, like, I don't know, Sky One or something. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> so, like, yeah, it's... Uh, it, it is fine for what it is. Like you say, it's nice and short. It did go pretty quickly. I, I actually thought the middle bit got quite repetitive again because the other thing they didn't talk about, obviously, there was a period, especially something that kind of lent on his career. Actually, in the late eighties, oh, no, early eighties, it started. The wheels started to come off the Marvel yes. wagon, and they did mention that they kind of they took me out of being in charge and put me as emeritus or some you know president emeritus or whatever, um, and that was because it started to have financial problems and they didn't really go into that, which I think would have, you know, I, I don't necessarily expect him to go into the elder abuse, but if they're kind of going about his career, I feel like just five minutes talking about that. It's not like a, a thing against him. The, the the landscape of like comics were going out of favour and the comics that were in favour in that period were more like Watchmen and stuff, which were a bit darker and a bit more on like, um, yeah, that was, was it Dark Horse? What's the, the... Oh, that was... Um... It wasn't Dark Horse. It was the company that was owned by DC that did their adult yeah, wing. Yeah. I think it but was, there was Image. But there was a lot. Yeah, Image. Yeah, yeah. Image. And and there's one called Dark Horse as well that came out about the same time. There was a lot more independent stuff. And that was kind of getting a lot more popular at the time. And they didn't really move with the times. But yeah, otherwise, it's it, it's perfectly serviceable froth. If you've got 90 minutes to fill, you don't want something too thinky, but you might want to learn a little bit. Um, I feel like, yeah, like you say, if you're a Marvel super fan, then this is <laughs> this is going to be like the the surfiest of surfacey <laughs> thing that's ever, and you're you're not going to get anything out of it. But if you don't know, I don't know if you think about it. I just know the cliff notes, and it was entertaining enough for me. So, 
Yeah, absolutely. And I honestly don't think, is there much more to say about this film? No, I think it's <laughs> it's quite a bit. We think we said this, didn't we, when we were talking about how we were going to do it. Like, we were just like, oh, it's just kind of, it is what it is. It, yeah, well, very much so, it is what it is. Yes. Advertising break. Uh, hey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome back to the Ontario Film Podcast. Callum, can I say dollar thing? It's too... I'm more distracted by the fact that you started it with doing the wavy arms thing. That people can't see at home or listening to this on the bus. But they went, hello, while waving hello. his arms. That was very entertaining. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But no, anyway. Um, what is our second film we're going to be talking about? Our second film is Hearts of Darkness, a filmmaker's apocalypse. And it is about the creation or the direction of Apocalypse Now. And it starts... What's Apocalypse Now? It's a very famous film from the late 70s about the Vietnam War based slightly on the uh, Joseph Conrad short story, uh, Heart of Darkness, which is it's where... It's not a short story, it's a novella. It's, it's not short. Oh, sorry. I can tell you, I've no, read it. I, I haven't read it. Um, wow. Um, um, based on <laughs> Heart of Darkness. The horror. Philistine. <laughs> Philistine. where this film gets its title uh it chronicles the film's journey all the way from the start when uh initially um orson wells was going to make it and occasionally it uses some narration because i think he did a, a radio version of the story so occasionally as you're seeing things play out you see a little hear a little bit of orson wells and then it chronicles the making of the film, most of which from the point of view of Francis Ford Coppola's wife, who was taking a lot of um, diary footage and writing in her diaries. Long suffering, yes. But she has the patience of a saint mm. because as Francis Ford Coppola is going through his own personal hell for a film that I think he said originally it was only going to take six weeks to shoot. <laughs> and then it ends up taking something like 200 days or something crazy Which like that. How many weeks is that? It's like 30 weeks. And it goes through all the various things that went wrong on that production from one of your stars dropping out to having the replacement star eventually suffer a heart attack didn't and nearly die. they kick the star Oh, yes, out. they kicked out Harvey Keitel, who's the original guy that was going to play the lead, and then uh, cast um, uh, Martin Sheen, I almost forgot his name there, um, through the, you know, they um, shot it with uh, the permission... No, no, that's Charlie Sheen's dad. Yes, yes, it is uh, Charlie Sheen's dad. Um, from losing the use of their military aid because they weren't allowed uh, the use of um american uh, military because of you know just how critical the film is of war so they had to use um 
the Philippines. The, the Philippines they army. It, they, they shot it in the Philippines. Um, and which there was a civil war, a civil war going, on, going on. So every so often, helicopters that they were using to film scenes would just disappear, and the, without explanation, um, the trying to get Marlon Brando on board to play the character of Kurtz at the end, to only ha- to have to wait and reschedule and wait and reschedule, only for him to That's show like up. A bug. Absolutely huge on the set and uh, not knowing how to deal with that to a myriad of various things that just kept on going wrong all the while everything is calmly told by uh, Eleanor Coppola who is uh, credited as the director of the documentary footage and the film itself is directed by Fax Bear and George Hickenlooper and just to make this whole thing a bit weirder do you know the name George Hickenlooper? No. Are you a fan of the TV show Mad TV? Mm, So so. He created it Okay. Uh, so, Johnny, what did you but think? Not Mad Magazine. Not Mad Magazine. He he just created the the TV version. Okay. Um, probably along with the creator of the uh, Mad Magazine. So, Johnny, what did you think of Hearts of Darkness, a filmmaker's apocalypse? Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> no, I really like it. It's one of my, if not my favourite film about making a film. Um, it helps that Apocalypse Now is one of my favourite films. If I'm on the right day and I'm in the right mood, I sometimes will say it's my favourite film. Um, I don't really have a favourite film because I change it on different days depending on different moods. <laughs> um, it, it's really shocking having watched this film, and I've seen it before a couple of times, to work out how they, they made a film <laughs> at the end of it. <laughs> Because as you say, every single thing that could go wrong pretty much went wrong. Like they started off production was going to take six weeks, nice and easy, and then realised they didn't like the Harvey Keitel as, as the lead character. So ditched him and got Martin Sheen in Pretty PDQ. But Martin Sheen, when he turned up, was not in the best of states. He was suffering with alcoholism and other bits and pieces and was in a... Pretty depressed state. Um, the, he Francis didn't like the ending of the script from the beginning of the production. So he spent the whole time trying to write the end of the script. Um, he then built all these beautiful sets that then got washed away um, in a giant storm. Um, yeah, it just went wrong. Thing after thing went wrong. Um, and like you say, it's incredibly calmly told. It's just really... It's really fun to just watch Francis Ford Coppola slowly go insane. He starts off this person, yeah, we've just done The Godfather, I'm untouchable. We're just going to pop out to the Philippines for six weeks, make a nice little war movie. No one really has been able to do the Vietnam War yet. I'm going to sort it out. I've worked out, I'm going to kind of base it on Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness, which is a book about a person going down the river to find an ivory trader that's gone mad at the other end. Um, And instead it's going to be a war... PR, a war general that's gone mad and gone to the other end um, and and it will show all the things that happened in the war and why the war was didn't work and they lost because you know because it was just too much money and too many toys in the middle of the jungle and no one really controlling or knowing what to do with them and then lived the Vietnam War themselves effectively. And it, the way it just shows that and the way it kind of shows they had too many toys and too much money like 
if you if this happened in the modern world after the first thing went wrong they'd have been shut it down the insurance company's pulling the insurance we're shutting it down guys we're shutting it down this film is never going to see the light of day the seven minutes we've shot that's it that's the whole movie um and they just were allowed to go on for months in the jungle slowly going insane and then you throw in like Dennis Hopper, who was like <laughs> the most insane human that's ever lived at the time. Anyway, you got like you have all these like talking head cutbacks, and it's just got Dennis Hopper in the future, like twenty five, like twenty five years after they shot it. Going. Because they made it in ninety one, yeah. the documentary in ninety one, but of course they use a lot of footage from seventy seven, seventy six. So he, this was in like ninety one, and Dennis Hopper was like, yeah, you know, I, I, I was in a weird headspace, and I can't remember much of the making of it. Cut to Dennis Hopper, 1977. Yeah, man, this vision, it's like the greatest thing that I've ever seen in my life. And I, and I'm just like smoking a cigar. One of the funniest <laughs> things. And, you know, the, a director that went on to make a sketch comedy, that man knows what he's doing. Yeah, it's, it's so funny because it's like, um, it kind of <laughs> reminds me of that on Dave Chappelle's show where they have... Um, uh, what's his name? It's not uh, oh, uh, the Rick, uh, Rick, Rick James. James. Rick James is like, I ain't going like I was grinding my shoes into Eddie Murphy's camps. Why would I be doing that? Then it cuts him like ten seconds later. Yeah, I did that. Eddie Murphy had it coming. You know, he's got, he got all this money and me riding in his couch, not going to do anything. And it's like it's like that. It's like oh, yeah, I was in a weird headspace. I don't know why. <laughs> Hopped up on drugs. Dennis Hopper like going, rah, 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 at the screen. Um, yeah, it, 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 I just really enjoy. It. I, just, no. I like watching. It's like watching disaster. Like everyone likes watching a disaster movie. When it's real life, it's even better. It's like why those documentaries about like fire festival and Woodstock '92 are like crack to me because it's just like oh my god look at these fucking morons this was so predictable and yet it's so good no absolutely and but i think the most remarkable quality of it is that for everything that you said about how crazy it is it's presented in a way it's it's not using um a montage or, no. or flashy music or quick cutting it is quite matter of fact so but you it have, also feels inevitable doesn't it inevitable and you have these people kind of saying things like francis Ford Coppola at one point says i keep thinking of ways how i can get out of this film <laughs> like an accident like maybe if i jump off this bridge it won't kill me but it'll break my legs <laughs> that'll be an elegant way to get out and then like you said you've got marlon brando saying things like i swallowed a bug or listening to the <laughs> that's birds that's another one of those great lines that you <laughs> saying that was like yeah you know I, um, this is my Francis Ford Coppola yeah you know like we've got Marlin here and I just don't like the ending of the script and we could do two things we could shut production down for five weeks or we've got Marlin Brando and Marty so we just point the camera at them for five weeks and see what they say and we're clearly going to get more gold from that cut to I've swallowed a bug oh, or, um, there's, there's a bird in the tree <laughs> it laughs at me my greatest critic yeah. <laughs> And uh, but, the human race, they for all this nuttiness, <laughs> though, it's incredibly calmly told. Mm. And I found myself dozing off a few times watching it, not because I, I wasn't enjoying it, but because it was just very peaceful. And it's like I could fall asleep to this. It, uh, it, this is the kind of thing that you put on the in the background that some people do to fall asleep to. It's very easy going, despite your, the fact that people are saying things like Dennis Hopper going crazy or um, people are contemplating how they're going to self mutilate in order to get out of this production. One of my favorite ones also is, um, of course, this is the debut film of Lawrence Fishburne, who at the time went by Larry Fishburne who lied about his age like ironically like a lot of people in vietnam did um he was 14 he told people he was 18 
And again, it smash cuts to a very articulate 1991 just fresh off his Oscar nomination, uh, Lawrence Fishburne. Oh, what we didn't understand about the war at the time. You know, very smart, 1977, 14-year-old. Yeah, I think Vietnam is cool. You know, yeah, sure. my buddies came back and they were like, doing a load of drugs and shit. And I just thought I'd come out of bed of my own Vietnam. Yeah, it's just crazy. And it was a crazy time and people loved it. I think that's why people loved it over there. It's like, you haven't got a fucking clue. <laughs> um, but no, it's, it's incredibly calmly told. Uh, and uh, because what you're the linchpin, the, the the core is you have Eleanor Coppola talking, uh, using her diary entries and her personal documentary footage and saying things like, and as we went down the river, I could see that Francis was going through his own hell and like talking very, very languid, very, very uh, calm, very, very almost sweet, almost sing songy. And it's like you could read lullabies for a profession if you wanted to you can sing me to sleep this is just very nice even though everything that's going on is insane there does seem to be a subgenre of film documentaries where you have marlon brando acting like a complete tit because uh, i just want to uh, bring in <laughs> mention the documentary lost souls uh, about the making of um, the uh, island of dr moreau uh, from the late 90s, where, again, you had the director, Richard Stanley, spoke to Marlon Brando and said, well, we had a really good chat. He's very smart, very articulate. I think he gets it. All the studios told me, don't hire don't hire Marlon Brando. He'll, he'll ruin your film. Don't do it. But he's very smart. Cut to Marlon Brando arriving on set, 500 pounds, uh, white face makeup on with a midget mate of his that he just found out of nowhere with a KFC bucket on his head. I don't think you can say midget anymore. Oh, sorry. Um, Little people? Dwarfism, maybe? I might, I'm not sure what the, the correct term is. Callum apologises for his poor use of language. Should we go back and re-record it? No. no. I'm just going to leave you out there to Okay, try. fair enough. Uh, but yes, there is a subgenre of um, uh, Marlon Brando going nuts documentaries, and it's always funny to see. Yeah, I think so. I just think, yeah, it was in his La La Land period of his career where he just his ego was far bigger than his talent at that point. <laughs> and it's just, it's just nice to see him. Just, it's just very funny to, mm. to watch this man. He's clearly having fun at everybody else's expense. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued to know how much is Marlon Brando being difficult and how much of Mar it's Marlon Brando just really like trolling everyone. Like trolling well, that's what trolling. I've always wondered, um, just how much of one or the other it is. It is, it is an interesting one. But no, I think as a documentary, it tells it incredibly well. The story that it, that it tells is a brilliant story to tell as well. Um, and yeah, I, I really enjoy it. Um, I couldn't finish this review without mentioning the, uh, <laughs> the, the community episode where the dean needs to make a, um, a, a commercial for the community college that he works at and he slowly starts going mad and madder is like, <laughs> it's meant to be like one takes an hour, one little take thing. And then he finds out that Louise Guzman, who was their like most famous um, alumni, is going to come back to be in it. So then he tries to make it the greatest thing of all time and just like keeps going like crazy and spending more and more money on it and driving his, um, driving his actors insane. And it, and, and they mention Heart of Darkness quite a lot in it. And, it's the same vibe. <laughs> I, there's such a good shop genre of the, the one about the Boondog Saints is really good as well. It's yes, just like people overnight. That, yeah, it's just about people that are given too much money and too much control, too little that, talent, and too little talent, <laughs> just going slowly insane and like, no, I'm better than the I, I know. 
preface that I don't support what the, the Harvey Weinstein did, but I know more than the Weinsteins about making movies. Sure you do. Yeah. Yeah. Sure you do. Well, in 1997, um, that was definitely the case before anyone outside of the people who, you know, suffered at his hands knew. Yeah, yeah, no, I know that, but yeah. I'm just saying in general all about Sure, sure. I feel like it always needs to be disclaimed if you, be, yeah, if you mentioned Harvey Weinstein in a mildly positive light. Sure. Um, but yeah, anyway. Um, been skirting around controversy this episode, haven't we? Wow, well, you know, that's how we roll. That's how we roll. We're woke. We're rock and or roll. But anyway, um, yeah, any more to add to that? No, I don't think so. I think we've covered the big bases. Good. Well, I think that brings us to a little wrap-up time. And first off, Callum, Stan Lee, what did you think? Well, it is complete fluff, and I'm, I'm stuck between four and five because it is entertaining. Um, but I think I'm probably going to lower it to a four because even though it's perfectly watchable, but there's it's so little meat there that even as a bit of fluff, it's a it's a one and done thing. It's not something that has any rewatch value. Any repeat rewatch value. So I think for that, even though it is mildly diverting while it's on, it's got nothing of, of substance there. So four. Okay. I'm going to give it a five because I think it's the most 5 5 thing that's ever five. <laughs> like it's so mid. It's just like, yeah, it tells a story. It does it okay. Nothing, no exact exciting revelations. Nothing exciting happens, but it's well put together and it's well produced. And if you don't know much about Stanley and you want to know a bit more, great. But don't expect to find anything particularly salacious or new in there. Quite. And The Hearts of Darkness, A Filmmaker's Apocalypse. Um, I think I'll go for a nine, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, I was between an eight and a nine, so somewhere between the two, but I think it's just a bit closer to a nine just because I can't really say anything to, that, to fault it. And it has a very strange kind of sweet effect that it, mm. for all the craziness going on, it really does kind of peacefully put you to bed. Um, and that's not a backhanded compliment, as I understand that might sound like. Uh, but it, it's, it has a very strange effect of, of being a contrast of like everything mad that's going on, but told in a way that has an irony and a, a quietness to it. And I think that they've managed to pull that off. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I also was going to give it a nine. Um, I think, I think if I was to knock one point off, it's I don't always necessarily think every single talking head works perfectly. Um, but for the most part, like you say, they picked something going crazy. They used some really good, effectively found footage, um, mixed that in with some really good talking heads with perfect comic timing um, to make something that's telling a really interesting story, but has a bit of a like winky comicness to it as well, which I quite like. Um, yeah, no, I really like it. So that's uh, uh, four and a half for Stanley and a nine out of ten for Half Darkness. So go watch it. Yes, do. Anyway, yeah. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening this week. And we look forward to chatting with you soon. The horror. The horror. Bye. Later. You know what I think is a big conspiracy? COVID vaccinations. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods 
for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.